0: Welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm Christian Ward, Head of Media and Marketing at Stylus. And today I'm joined by Tom Goodwin, Head of Innovation at Zenith Media, speaker, author of Digital Darwinism and All Round Marketing Authority. And I'm also joined by Julia Ahrens, Stylist, Editor of Media and Marketing, our resident expert on digital culture, entertainment, and media. Our theme for this episode is how to elevate the human in marketing and advertising in an age where it seems that a lot of brands are actually quite disconnected from the people who might buy their products. Uh, I'm really pleased to have Tom here to discuss this because alongside all his other amazing skills, he is a prolific and thought-provoking tweeter on this very subject. So Tom, I want to start with something you tweeted a couple of weeks ago. I've never been less proud to work in advertising than these dark current times. I felt like I entered an industry based on building brands and feel like it's currently one based on stealing attention and sanity. So what has brought <laughs> you to such an apocalyptic place? What a punchy start.
1: Um, I think, I mean, first of all, I have to acknowledge that I'm kind of complicit in this. You know, by continuing to work in the industry, I can't be too rude about the, the sort of hand that feeds me. Um, I think there are almost two ways to go about this. The first is, is more superficial, and that's that it felt like the world of advertising used to be more empathetic. I felt like it was based on the principle of sort of seduction and sort of earning our attention and creating quite long-term relationships um, and, and a degree of value exchange. Like Most most forms of media in the past felt like there was a direct value exchange. So you didn't get as annoyed with, with print ads in the Sunday papers because you knew that's what made it affordable. Um, and I think now the world of advertising seems quite aggressive, so targeting and retargeting. Um, and the sort of notion that we measure success in spreadsheets that get optimized and tweak, tweaked um, somehow just feels like it's quite sort of aggressive and all encompassing. And um, like the whole world feels like you're these sort of eyeballs that are there to try and squeeze as much attention out as possible. Um, and I just think the entire um, creation of this ecosystem, whether it's tracking, whether it's sort of privacy concerns, whether it's the endless Um, sort of interruptions to our life, it just feels quite aggressive. And I feel somehow we need to get back to this environment where we're earning people's attention and we're giving them something of value. Um, there's a much darker answer. So my second one, which I won't harp on about, but because um, it's not related to this podcast. But if you do look at the rise of sort of extremism and you look at the degree to which society is being quite polarised, um, we have to acknowledge that the role of the media in the past was much like our mother. Um, it was there to sort of nurture us. It sort of bundled different types of stories together. So even if you're interested in um, salacious celebrity gossip, you'd probably still get a bit of world news thrown into the newspaper at the same time. And the reality is that... Um, Now our relationship with media is much more like a drug dealer, um, where it's trying to get us to be outraged because that gets more attention. It's trying to get us to um, feel really dark sort of human emotions. And we have this ecosystem which is proliferated on the idea of stealing our attention. Um, And whether it means that YouTube will suggest flat earth theories... Um, whether it's that you can be an anti-vaxxer and still find lots of material out there that supports your crazy um, opinion. Like, we have to understand that the entire modern internet has been allowed to develop on the back of advertising and advertisers, and that's not necessarily in the best interest of everyone. Do you think the attention economy, based on the metric of the click, is sort of diluting itself? Because we're just now jumping and flitting from one, you know, bit of information to another and... Advertisers are just, you know, registering their one click, but how much of actual genuine attention and engagement does that actually denote? Are we on the entirely wrong metric track? Um, I mean, we really are, is is the sort of simple answer to that question. Um, Pretty much everything that gets measured and talked about within most of the advertising world um, are metrics which are completely meaningless. Um, And we optimize against them and we spend money against what appears to perform, in inverted commas, best. Um, and, you know, it's the, the McNamara fallacy that people have talked about many times before. We tend to measure what's easiest to measure um, and what's cheapest to measure and what we can measure most precisely. Um, and therefore, we ignore the metrics which are actually really, really important like brand value or like sales that we can meaningfully attribute to the, the work that we do. Um, and then we sort of double down on that because we now like to measure things that we can change quite quickly. Like it's, it's very nice to be able to measure engagement because you can do something tomorrow and tweak a dial and your engagement goes through the roof and everyone's happy. So if you're a car insurance company, you can start putting out pictures of cute babies and dogs and everyone kind of high fives each other in the office the next day. But it's doing nothing for your brand whatsoever. And actually you can't really measure the value of a brand and that's not going to change over a five year period probably. So um, we need to have much more empathetic, and much more imaginative, and much more um, gut-based discussions about what success looks like and how we measure it, and what we don't measure, and a much more sort of holistic philosophy somehow.
0: So, what what conversations do you have with your clients about measurement in that respect? What do you What do you say to them when they say, "How do we judge if this is a success?" success?
1: I think the the most um, confident clients that I talk to acknowledge that they almost have to do two things at the same time. And one is to do stuff which they feel in their heart works and they know makes a difference even though they can't defend it with data. Um, and at the same time, they'll have to do stuff which looks like they're doing their job in 2019, which involves spreadsheets and engagement rates and social media and real-time optimization and first-click attribution, and lots of stuff which they kind of know isn't really helping, but they know it gives them the excuse if the other stuff doesn't work. Um, And at the same time, they also balance the long-term and the short-term. But it takes takes a marketer with guts to behave that way, and I think... um, you know, marketing is very interesting right now because I think marketers probably have never felt less confident in their position in companies and they've never felt more scrutiny and they've never felt um, more vulnerable to the conversations that happen around them. Um, and it's only really marketers that either don't care that much or are independently wealthy um, or have had amazing track records of success that are really able to behave this way. Most, most I think, are quite scared too. And that's not,
0: that's not a fault of theirs. It's just the sort of business reality. So going back to this idea of, you know, the polarization um, that the internet and and technology has sort of foisted upon us, whose responsibility do you think now is, is it to deal with this? Is it the Facebooks of the world? Is it the government? Is it brands? Can brands play a role in this? That's
1: a great question. I mean, I think... Um the degree to which companies have a moral responsibility is interesting um, because most of the times the companies behave in a moralistic way. It's more because it's good marketing rather than because they really mean it. I think everyone can play a role. I think it's um, it would be highly useful if the government could play somewhat of a role. Um, you know, Facebook and other thin layers actually are able to sort of shirk any responsibility they ever have for the quality of the product that they supply because they just say that they're a platform. So they need to sort of... uh, The government needs to ensure that they take responsibility, and we're starting to see that happen. Uh, The platforms themselves clearly need to take responsibility, Um, and it's amazing to me that they've been able to um, stand up and look surprised by this when they've actually created these algorithms in the first place. And I think brands as well. I mean, another key aspect is... um, You know, we need to accept that news is really valuable and it's extremely expensive to make. And therefore, if it's important to us, we should probably pay for it. And actually, our attention is a really bad way to pay for news. It's really cheap um, and it takes a lot of time almost by definition. So to find a way to extract money from people in a really efficient way, in a way that people are happy about, is an extremely good idea. And actually wouldn't take that much. I think the the ARPU for the average revenue per user for Facebook in the developed world is about forty dollars per year. Um, if you are managing a way to monetize that on a click basis, that wouldn't cost that much so I, I I would like to think there's a whole ecosystem that can work together um to reverse the kind of spiral of decline that we've had and I would love to see the brightest minds in our industry work towards that because it's probably one of the most important things in the world right now.
0: You started by talking about advertising and marketing sort of uh, going after our attention and our eyeballs and being quite interruptive. This is quite surprising in a way because we discuss um, marketing and advertising on stylus um, as a way of using technology to get out of the way of the consumer and be um, more seamlessly integrated into their lives. And some brands are very successful at that. Uh, do you feel that that isn't being achieved yet in a in a really uh, sophisticated way
1: i think um without sort of harping on about it the the need for metrics that are hard and um are considered objective means that anything that seems somewhat background and ethereal and non attributable and sort of soft and fluffy and seductive like none of that stuff sort of comes through on the metrics that we optimize against And I think it's a fascinating thing for everyone in marketing and and advertising to to just look at an average day and to think about the ads that they noticed and the things that they bought and why they bought those things. And it makes you realize that, and this sounds quite pretentious, but the world of advertising holistically is like um, a piece of art or a piece of music. And you need all of these elements to come together. And it involves this sort of orchestration and coordination and our entire industry is obsessed with... If advertising boards music, our entire industry is obsessed with someone going around saying, this year it's all about middle C... You have to play middle C as many times as possible, which is clearly nonsense in music. And someone else comes along and goes, "Ah, oh, you know, the bass is dead. Um, <laughs> it's all about the treble this year." And then someone else says, "Oh, you know, cellos are, are terrible. You know, there's a lot of fraud in cellos." Um, that's not in any way helpful to the orchestration of music. And you look at music holistically, and you feel it, and you know what is good. Now, there are long-term rules about music, like there are things to do with rhythm that come from our body and. A degree of geometry and um, there are things to do with popularity and lyrics that are likely to sort of go viral um, there's um, there are many forms of sort of mathematics and culture and measurement which will help us create music like we know that an eight-minute track is not going to behave that well unless it's um, a Bohemian Rhapsody um, but we, we, we can use the sort of directionally we can use this data to make a better piece of music but you can't use that as the brief And I think somehow we've let ourselves be so fixated by this world of aggression and measurement and science that we've sort of lost the
0: heart somehow. That's an interesting analogy because obviously music builds on the music of the past. And advertising as a world that hates harping on what's gone before and wants to do the new shiny thing. Is that—is that part of the problem, do you think?
1: I think um, a lot of the need to do something shiny is based on um, a requirement to almost signal to people in our industry or in the financial markets that we somehow sort of get it. Um, Like for a long time you've been very slow to embrace technology and there is this assumption now that if you have a a simple media plan like Apple has, like if if any other company did what Apple did, which is basically just to buy outdoor and not really do social media, um, everyone would think they're idiots because they would presume somehow that these marketers were ignorant to new technology. They would presume that the reason they're not doing retargeting is because they're too stupid to try that. And actually, it's a sign of the confidence that Apple has that allows them to say no to all of these different things. And I think most marketers, and again, none of this is said with any criticism because I understand it, but most marketers are very keen to signal to the rest of the world that they get it. They're very keen to show to people at conference stages in Cannes that they've done this sort of new thing. And I love technology. My entire job is about understanding technology and understanding what it means. Um, but I wish we could use it in a way which is about making things more simple and more frictionless and the, uh, technology in the aid of customer experiences um, rather than the creation of press material that Wired might run.
0: What's, um, do you have an example of, of, of what you think <laughs> yeah. is successful in that respect?
1: Actually, yeah. Uh, um, so a good example of what's not successful is anything to do with VR ever. Um, if I see another sort of airline that puts um, a Microsoft Hololens on a on a um, attendant in a in a kind of customer serving situation, then I'm going to scream. Um, it's very boring, but digital kiosks within McDonald's and Burger King are kind of life changing. Um, in that somehow, even though it takes longer, you feel like you've sort of earned your meal as a result of it, and you. Um, the sort of process sort of seems like it starts straight away. So you've already committed to it. Like you end up sort of buying, you know, an extra bag of fruit or another portion of fries that you didn't think you really needed. Um, especially there's a, there's a version. I get gone about these rages. Um, there's a version where you can take a number and then they deliver the the food to you. And um, like it's a it's a brilliant way to think about um, a customer experience with technology as this background assistive layer. Like, the very, very best technology in our life is technology that we never think about. Um, So we never think about 4G anymore because stuff just happens. And then occasionally you go to the countryside and you're like, how do people live here? Um, And I think to think of technology as this background assistive um, layer that you never think about is a great way to think about our jobs. Actually, in terms of technology that we always utilize and never think about anymore. That just made me think about GIFs and Giphy. Yeah. We're now, you know, quite intensely pursuing the idea of creating branded gifts and just having it feed into people's everyday communication much more. And Do you think that would be an avenue to have brands more closely integrated into everyday culture? Would it be an overkill and people would just feel that they are surrounded by brand messaging too much? I think, no, I think... Um Gifts are very much unloved by our industry. Um, and I think really simple forms of advertising are amazing. Um, I've always thought, and maybe I'm wrong, but I always thought the ideal sort of mobile ad unit would not start with a newspaper classified ad from the 1700s as a banner. And it wouldn't start as a 30 second TV ad that you make smaller it would probably start a bit more like um, digital six sheets where you just presume you have about two seconds of someone's time and you presume that you should just get out of the way automatically and you should presume that actually you don't necessarily want people to click on it um, and you would just create a kind of one and a half second sort of beautiful um animation that comes to life and tells a mini mini story so maybe it's a kind of a wonderful to me piece of luggage that's just shot beautifully that just sort of shimmers slightly and then disappears off the screen or maybe it's a bmw i8 that just has an amazing picture of the interior and as you turn the phone um the sort of interior angle changes or something i think if we think in terms of incredibly simple but extremely premium sort of beautiful experiences then actually we can create this environment where advertising is as good
0: as the content, which is you know, how TV used to feel. Well, this is an interesting point because obviously we're not marketers anymore, are we? We're storytellers, <coughs> as, we, <laughs> as we hear a million times um, at Canline every year. Um, and obviously, brands are trying to create content which competes with, with the likes of Netflix now and YouTube. Um, how do you think that's going? Because for personally, for me, I think there are, is a long way to go before anybody wants to rewatch a piece of branded content in the same way that they want to rewatch Stranger Things. Nonetheless, I have seen some pretty amazing pieces of film from from brands. Um, where where do you think this is going?
1: Yeah, I think um, to me, the move towards these other forms of advertising is a bit like Elon Musk thinking the solution to Earth's problems is flying to Mars, in that. Um, We have an amazing opportunity in our world right now, which is that we have these incredible screens that we carry with us all the time, that we're fixated on and that have real-time data and that allow us to buy things immediately. Like, you, you couldn't create a better environment for advertising than the mobile phone. And somehow we've got into our heads that, like, TV is dead and that millennials hate everything, and therefore everything that we've done for a kind of a century like doesn't work anymore, which is actually not based on any real data. And therefore, we throw that away and assume that because people don't trust advertising, it shouldn't be like ads. And that because people like content, it should be content. And then you end up with all these unproven but interesting strategies like influencer marketing and like content marketing. And you can see the in every piece of content marketing, you can see the deck that was used to sell it in. And it was all based on the idea that people will trust this and they'll make time for it. And the thing is, what you realize from magazines having a really difficult time right now and TV companies having quite a difficult time is that making content that's really good is extremely hard. And if your tapestry for creation is monkeys and babies, it's really hard. And if your stimuli for content is music and passion and sex is still really hard. Now if your stimulus for the brief is a suitcase or a mattress or socks, like there's going to have to be a bit of magic that happens to make that somehow more interesting than every single oscar winning film ever made that I haven't yet got round to see, M- people's wedding videos that I've not got round to see, reading emails from my family that I haven't given enough attention to. Like somehow it's it's predicated on this notion that things don't work anymore that they do, and that somehow we've become bored and that we need extra content in our lives, which is just completely not true. There is an opportunity here. Um, like I and, and quite often I think it's less in terms of content and it's more in terms of a function. So I would love British Airways to make it easier for me to book a last-minute flight somewhere um sunny. I would love a hotel company. Um, on check-in to give me a guide to bars that are in the area that might be interesting to me based on my recent um, travel history. Like, there is, there is an opportunity there for brands to take a role in stuff that's kind of like content, but it probably isn't a 30-minute documentary. It's probably a list of three drinks to try or where your friend is and a good place to watch a movie with them. Like, it's probably much more assistive and helpful than it is um, entertainment.
0: Do you think that brands resist that idea of being useful and functional and like the idea of being content creators of entertainment because they worry that consumers uh, won't notice or won't feel any love for them? Not that anyone feels love for any (laughs) brands, right? But they won't feel love for them if they're just giving them a, a functional solution to something as opposed to inspiring their minds with beautiful imagery.
1: Um, I'm always amazed and I I know that I come across quite grumpy, especially on my tweets. And it's more that I'm so optimistic and passionate about what could be done. And then what I see, what is routinely done, I get so disappointed. And I think I'm really frustrated with the lack of creativity in our broad industry And it's unbelievably hard to sell in something that's not been done before. Even when your brief is, can you do something that's not been done before, you still get asked for a case study of it working before with no sort of like wink or irony. And you're still asked to complete a return on investment form for something that's never been done before. And I think we have to accept that it's unbelievably easy for people to take what's been done before and apply a small iteration to it and then pass it off as a slightly new form of advertising or a slightly different way to do content marketing. It's so much easier to do that than it is to say, hey, you know, why don't we just sort of tweak the booking flow so that this form auto-populates automatically? Or why don't we remove this step from the process? Or why don't we ask people if we can use their personal data and instead of serving them um, what we presume to be amazingly targeted ads, we're actually going to give them something of value. And you, you see little glimpses, actually. You know, some, the Delta Airlines sent me an email the other day saying, here are all the places that you've been to in the last year. And it was quite nice. And I think... There's something within that philosophy and that sort of metaphor which I think companies can explore. Um, And I'd love, um, I don't want to sort of sound like I'm sort of preaching or anything, but I'd love all companies to just somehow have a way to embrace things that are not particularly risky, um, that are not vastly expensive in the scheme of things, and that help people. Like I think people really need help in their lives. And I know that sounds quite worthy because it may just be helping them spending more money with you or helping them buying someone else's product that you're getting um, a kickback from or something. But just help people make decisions and buy things and discover
0: more things. And I don't think that's um, too much to ask. What a great place to end. Um, brands do need to help people. It's something we talk about on stylus a lot. Um, brands as mentors, as guides, as, as, as people who can uh, give consumers um, a way to, better self-optimize. I think that's a a, a really nice place to stop. Thank you very much, Tom, for coming. Uh, Thank you, Julia. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.